you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waite, the Fearless Business Coach. Uh, I have got a fantastic guest with me today in the uh, the guise of Adam Strong, who is an ultra-high achiever, personal productivity authority, entrepreneur, international speaker, and founder of the Game Changers Experience. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thanks, Robin. Great to be here. Everybody knows I love to kind of dive straight in with a bit of value for the audience so that they can get something actionable to take away from this. And something which I pulled out of your show notes, um, which really intrigued me, was build how to build a tribe that buys. Talk to me about what your process is for building your tribe and how do you encourage them to buy from you? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, so first of all, let's all define what a tribe really is, because there are real big differences between tribes, communities, and just sort of pockets of people, right? But tribes are essentially, um, uh, they're basically uh, marketeers for your business, right? They're individualists, they're uh, fans, they're, they're raving fans, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're ambassadors, right? They're people that support you in terms of your personal values and what you stand for, but also how it aligns to their personal values and what they stand for, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So when we think about a tribe, especially in the entrepreneurial world and the business world, we think external tribes. So tribes like, for example, um, you know, if, if we might think of a Facebook community, for example, which, which could be a form of, of, of a tribe, Yes, kind of, but it's more of a community. But also the other thing uh, that we were, that I was speaking about actually uh, the other day uh, with John Spence is tribes is also internally as well within your teams. Okay, so uh, and there's a, and there's not really a big difference in terms of the actual uh, what's going to say the definition of what a tribe is because they have the same meaning. Okay, so if we look at tribes, right, tribes are. Uh, normally fall into sort of a number of categories and I kind of use the word torchbearers. So that's the first one. The second one is ambassadors. And the other one is um, just trying to think now it's the last one. Um, I suppose they are, uh, they're champions for your business, if you like. Now, let me define what, what, which, which, which on which. So, torchbearers are basically someone that, regardless of what you do for them, okay, they'll 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 buy, okay, because they love what you do, they love what you stand for. They'll spread your message on their social media feeds, and they're real, real, true raving fans about what you do. Okay, so that's torchbearers. Ambassadors work a little bit differently. They do represent your brand, but in a, in a much more deeper level. Okay, uh, so ambassadors are kind of someone that they might represent your company. They might do some work for you. They might um, ambassadors are essentially, especially when it comes to the internal side of stuff, is they are basically uh, if you could. It, I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Book of Happiness. All right, by Tony Heisen. Yeah, yeah, and and he really really hit the nail on the head with when Zappos, the online shoe retailer, uh, which is no longer around because Amazon bought them for a billion dollars, 
Well, and Tony, Tony Shea's no longer around. Tony Shea, exactly. Last year, so yeah. He died in a, in, a, in, a, in a fire, unfortunately. But he created those ambassadors within his company. They and and their their big personal values, their big one of their core values is all about creating the power of wow. And that's one of our core values about creating wow experiences for your clients and things like that. So that's ambassadors. And then you've got champions. So champions are essentially a bit like, um, say, for example, like we've done a lot of business. We, we do a lot of collaboration with a lot of thought leaders, John D. Martini, Marshall Goldsmith, uh, Jack Canfield, all of those big names, right? Um, we collaborate because they buy into the vision of what I've created, what we created as a team. And because they love it and it aligns to what they um, what they stand for as well. Um, we then piggyback off their personal brands. Does that make sense? Yeah. So as an example, when we did our last um, online virtual summit with Marshall Goldsmith, Marshall has 1.3 million uh, followers on LinkedIn. So he was able to then spread um, spread the word of, of what we're doing together. And it gets in terms of the reach and the impact is, is it's twofold, right? Um, so, and, and and, and my, the- my theory is, is it's all about working together. What you desire and what I desire is pretty much the same thing. We all want success. We all want happiness. We all want fulfillment, right? So if you all want the same thing, why is it that we're not all working together rather than kind of working, oh, I need to be selfish. I'm going to be ego-driven. Uh, it's all me, 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 me. It's the me show. No, think about how you can leverage other people in terms of relationships, but also thinking about, how you can leverage other people's brands as well in order to get what you want. What So the more that you serve, the more that you add value, the more you get back in return. So I hope that kind of sort of work, uh, works hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I got, I've got about a dozen questions, so I'm going to have to try and sort of um, uh, d- dial into one or two things which popped up um, for me there. So for something which you mentioned actually offline was about being patient. So I'm guessing a major part of that uh, partnership relationship building is about patience because you've got to put the time, energy, and effort into nurturing those relationships a long time before you actually get any sort of benefits or returns from that. Absolutely. Listen, absolutely 100%. And patience in terms of relationships. So if I, if I give you an example, Marshall Goldsmith, who is absolutely huge in executive coaching and leadership realm, you know, he's been voted number one from Forbes magazine, uh, all the all the Inc. magazine, all of the big ones, right? It's been around for about 50 years. And um, and I love for what he stands for, but it took me two years to get, even get access and have conversations with him. Why did it take two years? Well, so the thing is, is that you can't just approach an influencer or a thought leader and say, hey, Come and do business with me. It doesn't work like that, right? You've got to really one of the one of the ways in which we do, and this is a great thing for your listeners, right? One thing that we do, especially when it comes to our podcast, when it comes to our summits, is that the only way that you're going to be able to get access to our platforms is through recommendation. So through someone that has already been on our platforms, whether it be Marshall, whether it be Chester, whoever it is, okay, they'll come through a recommendation from those guys. Cause then guess what? I then I know that I trust those guys in terms of their recommendation. It, it takes the whole due diligence out of it. I don't need to do too much research. I know for a fact that I trust those people with my life. And I know for a fact that I that I will go with the flow on that. And and now we're kind of at that stages. And it's a bit like um, 
the food chain, right? So, you know, generally, like, in terms of the food chain, Marshall is right at the top of the food chain, if you like. But there are others as well. I mean, you know, you get, like, the Tony Robbins and stuff like that. You know, people will say to me, hey, so have you got access to uh, uh, Johnny Dumas? So have you got access to uh, uh, Prince EA or whatever it is? Yeah, I do have access, but I'm not going to give you those contacts. You have to build relationships uh, and find out what's important to them. So I think that's that, that to me, extremely important patience 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 um and then uh, and then you can position yourself as a, as, as a thought leader too yeah there's um so i talk about something called a social ladder in business which you kind of most people like want to go from rung one to rung 10 straight away but the reality is you go you if you're a, if you're a one on the social ladder you hang out with all of the ones and maybe some of the twos and then when you're then considered a two on the social ladder you can work your way up to level three and it's like this whole leveling up sort of stuff Correct. which you hear about but interestingly uh, enough the way to speed that up is that if you do sound completely way above and beyond out of your comfort zone um and also you have to have a powerful vision if you have a powerful vision a powerful message and you go completely out of your comfort zone people are attracted to that yeah yeah 100 and i i love the fact as well that you know because most people i think when they hear the word tribe they immediately think it's me me at the top and everybody below me what you're saying is actually pull people into your tribe who are in that elevated position and you know surround yourself with those thought leaders as well yeah i mean listen uh, uh, the, the point of a tribe right is um you know you are the leader you're steering the ship they're attracted to you as your leader uh, and you're, you're creating a culture uh, whatever that culture might look like for us, what's important is collaboration, really important, uh, serve without expectation, giving value to people. So those are our core values. But the thing is, I practice what I preach. OK, so people are attracted in terms of the tribe and who's leading that tribe. Um, and that's what creates, a, you know, a energizing, um, energizing culture. And people love that. Right. People love to be part of something which is not just about money it is about what what is it that i can do what what i want to be you know part of this tribe that uh, that the, that you're creating adam or whatever it might be so yeah there was something which you said earlier on as well which i i think would be really helpful to the listeners to get a bit of um advice around you, you talked about the power of wow the wow moments which you inject into sort of that that journey that people come and you know they join your tribe and then you give them those wow moments Again, I think for me, this is very closely linked to the patience word that we've talked about because um, too many people are like on that, I call it the sales cycle doom, sell, deliver, sell, deliver. They're only interested in the sale. The moment clients finished with, they, you know, away they go. And they don't really, they're so invested in themselves and interested in getting money for themselves. They don't really take the time to deliver those wow moments because the wow moments, um, you do have to slow things down a bit and put a bit of thought into it. And yes. it takes a bit of time, energy and effort to de deliver the wow moments. But I'd love to hear some practice tactical, tactical sort of ideas for wow moments that the listeners could potentially inject into their businesses? Yeah. So good question. So in terms of wow moments, so these are the things that we put in our, into our business that creates wow moments. So for example, um, you know, we run, um, what do you call it? An inner circle group where we meet up once a month and it's for six to seven figure business owners that essentially want to learn and grow, collaborate and make more money and profits, right? That's, that's basically what they want to do. And, and so when they become part of our inner circle, there are going to be opportunities. So for example, um, uh, one of our, there are a number of members within that inner circle, which 
over a couple of years, over the last sort of couple of years, I've nurtured the relationship. I've under, I understand how they tick. They understand how I tick. And we have a good cross alignment. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then I give them other opportunities where I'm thinking to themselves, do you know what? This person would be an excellent candidate to write a book with me or um, be, you know, join us on a retreat or whatever it is. It's kind of creating that inclusiveness of, okay, I've got a client here. What can I do to add significant value to them, right? Look after them as if they were like family, right? And number three, think about, um, think of how you want to be treated and looked after in terms of like integrity and respect. Okay. So if I'm, if, uh, if someone, if you're a client of mine, Robin, okay. And you have, you're having an expectation because you are driven on results, right? Everyone wants results. That's yeah. pretty much what it is. So if you want to get results, we'll put a plan together and everything like that. But then without me telling you, okay, I'll surprise you with the power of wow. And now everyone is a normally experienced power of wow, whether it be go to a hotel, whether it be going to off, have an afternoon tea or whatever it might be, okay, you've normally experienced a power of wow. Go back to that moment. Why was it a power of wow? Purely, uh, number one, it was purely because it was the experience. Someone make you felt special. Someone make you feel that, that, that you were being thought of rather than, the, the opposite way around. So the power of well to me is, is, is delivering above and, um, above and beyond what's expected of, of us as people. But also the other thing as well is if, you, if you've got clients or customers, what can you do to them? How could you do, what can you do to, in terms of adding value to them in terms of accelerating their results? Look after those people and I can guarantee you'll increase your profitability twofold and you won't need to go out and go look for new clients. So I'm always a big believer in sort of quality, quality over quantity. Uh, and that really plays a, uh, an important role in, in our business. That's it. And, then, you know, there's, um, there's a couple of things which we do, which are quite nicely aligned with that, actually. So when, um, when clients join, they think they're kind of signing up to the Robin Waite show, which I, I suppose a bit facetious. That sounded quite <laughs> egotistical, didn't it? A bit arrogant. But they, th- they think they're signing up for just some coaching with me, but then they come into the program and, and we start to introduce them to the team of coaches that we've got. So a mindset coach, you know, once a week on a call, we have somebody yeah. does an offer call with them as well to restructure their office. So now they get loads more people and loads more coaching and the second thing we do is we give them a nice welcome pack which actually when you add up the value of all of the stuff that's in that alone it comes to about 250 quid books workbooks and yeah. we make a donation to charity and things like that we even silly little things like you know this little fearless business coin which we give clients when they join yeah. um you know which they really appreciate it's it's like stuff that kind of also um you only joined a club when you're a child and you got a little welcome pack, a goodie pack with badges and pens and, you know, stuff like that. I it's remember like, being Cubs and Scouts. It was kind of the same concept. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like, but as adults, we can enjoy that process as well. And I think that that element of sort of fun, but added value, I think definitely kind of draws, put, draws people in, doesn't it? 100%. In, in terms of um, so, in terms of the work you're doing at the moment with your clients, you kind of alluded to um, some of the coaching work you do, but who's your ideal client? What do you help them with? Yeah, so our ideal clients now, we've kind of moved into more of a niche market now. And the reason for that is purely because we've been working with attorneys, lawyers, and solicitors over the sort of last couple of years, and we've really enjoyed working with those people. Um, so our business has kind of moved more into consulting for the, for the smaller firms under around £5 million. Um, and 
their their biggest problem, Robin, is they have <laughs> they're normally at what we call an oversubscribed model. So they're normally eighty percent oversubscribed. They do what, what most lawyers do, right? They're good at what they do, but they don't know marketing. They don't know their purpose. Uh, they don't know how to run a business, right? Because a lot of them are ex-corporate people that think, oh, you know what? I'm going to go run my own business or start a business or whatever it is. And, you know, they're turning over a quarter million quid, yet they don't ever have a personal life, right? They're a slave to their business. So um, so we tend to work with those types of clients that really kind of want to want to establish purpose. I'm a big thing about purpose over profitability, right? It doesn't mean that profitability is less important. It just means that if you've got your purpose, you'll get more profitability further on down the line. Um, and, you know, and it could be many different things. It could be a matter of systemization. It could be a matter of leadership. It could be a matter of team building, all of those types of things. So we tend to work with those types of clients and we love doing that. And, and in terms of kind of your journey into starting out a business as well, I mean, looking at your bio, you've done some work alongside the likes of Mo Farah and, um, you know, former Olympic pro- professional athletes. So I, I'm, how did this, how did the transition into sort of the coaching space sort of happen? Where did you, where, did you always want to run your own business? Yeah, I actually started off, I actually started off running my own business. Uh, well, I got into entrepreneurship from the age of 11. That's when I started. Um, and, you know, some people, for you guys that are interested, connect with me on LinkedIn, you'll see kind of my story, but it was basically based around golf balls, collecting golf balls. That's where it all started for me. Um, don't particularly come from a wealthy background. Tell, um, tell me more. How did, how did you make money out of golf balls at 11? <laughs> well, interestingly enough, um, you know, what What do most 11-year-old always do? Well, they tend to like bum around and pretty much do dots around and do things like that. But at weekends, I was just, I, I was just kind of... Um, you know, there was a nature reserve not far from where we lived at the time. Just started walking. I started seeing all these golf balls appear in all these streams and rivers and stuff like that. And then next day went back with a bucket, started collecting them and then started getting approached, approached by um, all the, uh, the golfers, which would tend to be over the age of 60. Um, and they, and they would run down the fairway, um, you know, in fear of kind of hitting me in the head with their golf ball, um, which is obviously they really wouldn't want to hit an 11 year old boy with the golf ball in the head. Um, <laughs> so they'd come to me and they'd be like, Hey, so, uh, you know, scared about hitting you with the golf ball, but what, why are you carrying a bucket? And then they'd still be carrying a bucket. I have a load of golf balls. And then, uh, and then we get into the sales negotiation, right? So they knew that I'd be, uh, I, I, they're like, Hey, so I, I, I've been doing finding lofts golf balls, um, you know, and sort of telling them my, my story and they were kind of inspired by it. And then we kind of get into sales negotiation. They'd offer me exit, say like, oh, okay, I'll offer you four pounds for this Slattinger ball. When I knew it brand new, it probably cost 12. And then we kind of, you know, negotiated half and half We'd both walk away with a smile on our face. And, uh, I remember the first time I did it, I, I walked home and I had like sort of loads of pound coins in my, in my, in my, in my pockets. And, uh, and that's where it all started for me really. And, uh, Got a taste for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so where did, where did it progress from there? Obviously, you finished your schooling, but then kind of going, you know, what, what was your next sort of um, side hustle or business? Or did it start to get a bit more serious at that point? Well, only because we moved across town, we ended up going into car washing. So I had to do the old car washing stuff. And then, and then, um, yeah, and then, and then I kind of uh, started up my real, real first business at the age of 24, which was all kind of in sports performance coaching, really. Um, and that was a, you know, because I, I was a big fanatic in health and fitness and things like that. And uh, so that was, that was, that, that to me was, um, 
you know, that that was the real first um, business that we really started up with uh, that one there. So, uh, and that was all kind of personal training, sports biomechanics, stuff like that, really, and injury prevention. So love doing that. But, you know, everything's kind of, everything has a shelf life, right? Yeah. Tell, tell me more. What do you mean by that? Well, um, what was so, the shelf life for, for that business? So I think, I think with any, I think any business has the shelf life, right? Same with any client, right? Any client, ha- all clients also have a shelf life because people evolve, right? You evolve as people, your, your personal values change, uh, you know, many different things, um, change, but, um, about sort of 10 years into my career, actually, um, I, I started getting a little bit irritated in, in a way I, I woke up one day actually robin um and i really felt unfulfilled do you know what i mean i don't know if you've ever had that but i really felt unfulfilled in what i was doing and i just couldn't quite pinpoint couldn't quite pinpoint my thumb on what it was but after about 18 months I felt very lost and confused within those 18 months. You know, I was kind of going to clients, but really not giving my all, right? And for me, I'm an A player, right? I like to go all in or not at all. And I I was in this kind of what I call no man's land. Right. Where you where you just like you're just kind of like living through life. Do you know what I mean? Living through like a hamster in a wheel. And about 18 months after, you know, I knew the importance of coaching and, and mentoring and stuff like that. And, uh, and I just kept on coming up with excuses. Oh, I don't have money and stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. And eventually I just thought to myself, you know what? It's got to stop, right? It, it, it starts with me. I've got to start making some different choices. I've got to start disrupting different, um, creating different habits. And so then that's where I discovered my first business coach. And, uh, he knew exactly what, I, what he knew exactly what I needed to do. And it all went from there really. And that's how I ended up being the way I am today in terms of consulting and, uh, and, and, and being where we are today. I, I think when, um, when people do get a bit lost in business and the procrastination starts to kick in or that lack of fulfillment, which you shared, um, f- fear isn't far away, is it? Because you know that you've got to make a big decision in order to kind of, um, you know, again, step up to that next level and change your game. So what if, yeah. if there was what was the fear do you think that was going on for you at that particular point in time? I think it wasn't really fear as much. It was more around uncertainty, right? So um, you know, uh, it, it, I know it sounds really. Um, uh, I was going to say I, we all have fear, right? We all have fear. Um, I one hundred percent agree. But from from my perspective, I didn't really fear anything. I was just. I was uncertain. I, I and, and when you're uncertain, I suppose it does create fear in a way, uh, but also um, it creates insecurity in terms of like you start judging yourself. Uh, you know, you start judging yourself. You know, am I good at what I do? Uh, you start like looking at what other people are doing. You start making some comparisons, and those are the things that start creeping in your mindset. And if you don't continually condition your mindset, again, you start to lose your purpose. You start to lose your vision. You start to lose your why and why you're doing what you're doing. And and if you're in that no man's land, it's not a nice place. I can assure you there. It is not a nice place. It's been like there, kind got of like a t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. Right. You've been there and, several and, times and, over. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. So, you know, and, and, and listen, you have to go through those what I call growing pains in order to get stronger at the other end. Cause I can guarantee you some of your listeners are probably going to have those growing pains right now. And I can guarantee you at the end of that, 
uh, they'll be like, okay, yeah, I get what Adam was talking about. Uh, you will become a stronger person at the end of it. It's remarkable how many business owners like see that, you know, business should be perfect and linear and everything else. But I liken it to a bit like a boxing match, right? Or, or training for a boxing match. If you got in the ring with your coach day in and day out, and he just came up to you and gave you a big hug and never punched you in the face, you're going to get a bloody big shock when you step in that ring for that title fight, aren't you? True. And it's, it's like that in business, you have to be punched in the face quite regularly in order to be able to kind of not to toughen up, but just to, just to kind of go through that element of growth and get stronger, get, you know, callous yourself a little bit, callous your mind a bit and just, um, uh, you know, take it up to the next level. And that's not, it makes it sound like those people who are super successful in machines, but all they've done is they've just been punched in the face a ton of times. Exactly. And, and, and the thing is, I like to call it, you have to get mentally tough. I know that, People like to use the word resilience a lot and stuff like that. And I think that's the wrong word, but mental toughness is what you need. That's the key ingredient you need in entrepreneurship, right? You've got to be, you, 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 at the end of the day, there are going to be good days and going to be bad days. When you first start, there could be more bad days and there could be good days. But then it starts to get a little bit easier because then you start to get used to being uncomfortable at being comfortable. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%, 100%. I had a, I had a coach who once said to me that, um, Robin, you have a really stiff spine, but you have a soft heart. And he said, that's actually a really great way to be as a, as a business owner, a coach, a father, a, you know, and that that's really stuck with me and resonated because it's the toughness of the spine, but actually being open to opportunity and ideas and other people, I think super, super important. Yep. Very cool. cool. Um, so in terms of uh, where we're kind of getting towards the end of the um, the recording already, we said before this that time would fly, Adam. So uh, what are you working on at the moment? I know you've got something very exciting up your sleeve, haven't you? Yeah, uh, well, um, we're actually next month, we're, we're launching our my third published book. In fact, here we, we've got a copy here. It's called Play the Game. Play the Game, yes. Um, so if you notice in the subtitle, it says how to win in today's ever-changing environment. Now, I'm sure that you guys probably will agree with me. Hey, would you not agree with me that the environment and the way that we work, and it's changed dramatically over the last 18 months. Um, that's an understatement. <laughs> that's an understatement, right? Yeah. So basically, um, the purpose of this book really is I identified some of the biggest, uh, what I call up-and-coming um, business thought leaders and entrepreneurs of, of, of the world. And... Um, we collaborated on this project and they all have, and for me, what was important is like really people don't care about people's stories. Yes. There's an element of, Oh yeah, you know, I can understand, but really people need practical application. What is it that it can do for me? So this book is essentially a book which people can effectively take. Not everything is going to uh, be applicable to everybody uh, in terms of the topics. Not every topic is. But the great thing is, is that uh, my good friend, Marshall Goldsmith, who's the uh, the only Thinkers 50 um, an executive coach in the world, actually endorsed this book, as you can see. And it says this book will radically change the way you see your business. OK, and that's from Marshall. So if you'd like to get a copy, by the way, I'm going to do a shameless plug. Uh, but if you want to get a copy, it comes out on October the 20th, uh, 2020, uh, 2021. And, and it's available. Um, we're actually going to be doing, um, uh, I was going to say, we're going to be doing a sort of a, a sort of a promo for the first few days and whatever it is. If you're, if you're lucky enough to listen to this particular recording and get that opportunity, but honestly, great book, fantastic book. I must say so myself. So that's what we got. That's our major project that we've got working on right now. Um, on top of that, we've got like a, uh, one of our great summits, the game changer summit, 
uh, we're working on uh, the Game Changers Summit East meets West. So um, the way that we do business in the East is very different how we do business in the West and how to get kind of um, how to learn from business leaders and entrepreneurs from around the globe and how to take in different applications, especially if you're trying to grow a global business and you're trying to grow a team. Super important, Robin, um, because, you know, it's, especially if you're trying to attract, say, um, you know, Australians or, you know, sort of Asian people, the way that you talk to them, the way that you approach business is very, very different how you'd approach Europeans. Um, so uh, really, really crucial. And, uh, and the other thing is uh, working on uh, – working on solving the world's plastic pollution problem, actually, believe it or not. Uh, so we're, so that is, that is, at, uh, that's my passion project right now. It's not turned into a full-time thing, but it's a passion project right now. So we're just, uh, we're going to actually start up crowdfunding very soon, uh, which I think I told you about, but uh, we're going to start doing some crowdfunding soon, raising some capital and, and getting that project up and running. So, Well, we, we have a shared shared passion for that because obviously as a keen surfer, you know, um, every client we enroll into Fearless Business, we actually support four oceans. So I don't know if you can see that. That's one of the four ocean bracelets. So that pulls a, oh, cool. a pound of, a pound of uh, two pounds of plastic from the ocean for every one of these so every new client we enroll but also there's um the ocean bottle which i don't know is a new new scheme which has come out recently and they they're they're on a proper mission as well but we'll support you in that crowdfunder we'll also make sure that we share a link to the um if there is a an opportunity to uh, to, to get that on pre-release, play the game on Amazon. We'll make sure we share a link to that and the promo as well when that comes out on October the 20th. And uh, also um, make sure, Adam, you share your links to this summit with me because we'll make sure we, we share that with the listeners too. Cool. Um, so it's, it's been a real pleasure. We come to kind of the finale for the show now, the episode, uh, where we're going to jump into the Fearless Business DeLorean. We're going to go back to a, de- a year in your past where you have to have a word with Adam T minus X years. So what is the year and what are you going to say to him? Oh, that's a good question. Um, let's have a think. I would probably say uh, the year would be 1992. That was when I was 11 years old, by the way. That was when I first started getting into entrepreneurship. I was 11 too. We were obviously born in a good year. We were born in the same year in 1981. And I saw that on your T-shirt, by the way, Phyllis. That's very cool. Um, So, yeah, 1992, when I was 11 years old, and um, if I if if I said if I was to see my 11 year old self, I would say, continue to do what you're doing. Get a coach as fast as you can, especially when it turns up in terms of business, right? And just go, Um, because I think if I if I, if, if I had nurtured the knowledge that I've got right now, um, I'd probably be, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. I can tell you that for sure. But, um, um, but, you know, I think for me, that was really, really important is just to, um, uh, just to, just to, just, just to really kind of be cemented, uh, in that particular way. So it's all good. I wish I'd had coaches back then, you know, maybe not in 1992, um, uh, 11, I think probably I didn't really properly get into business till I was about 18, but equally all of those battle scars that you've got all the times you've been punched in the face before you got a coach out and they've turned you into the guy that you are. It kind of, you know, it's a really cliched thing to say. Um, and I think we all benefit from the person that you are now. So, uh, um, if you had a message to kind of just wrap up the episode with as well, either around tribes or, um, you know, uh, stepping out in business or whatever it might be, what, what would your sort of closing remarks be? I think my closing remarks would be, um, 
question everything that you do. And what do I mean by that? Like, you know, you get up every morning. Why do you get up? Why you do what you do? What's your purpose? What, you know, what, it, what I always find that the more clarity that you have in your life, right, the more energized that you are going towards that goal or whatever it is that you want to achieve in terms of your vision. So I think it's important to question everything that you do. Um, you know, why do you hire staff? Why do you get up? You know, it's important and self-awareness, right? Super important to create self-awareness. What are your strengths and weaknesses and what can you do to leverage uh, other people in terms of scaling up? So that would be my closing remarks. Wonderful. I, I, I 100% I'm with you on that. And I check in with myself every morning. And one of the other things which I do once I've checked in myself on like that clarity is also what am I not doing? What am I sort of hiding from? What am I running away from? Because that also gives you some very valuable clues as well. So yeah, great insights there, Adam. Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure, Adam. Make sure we include all of the um, the show notes and links to your website and the book and everything else. But thank you so much for giving up your time to come on to the Fearless Business Podcast. Cheers. Thanks very much. Thank you.